Uh, <coughs> pardon me. I, uh, much like our our current president of the United States, I will be sniffling my way through this recording. Uh, but for a, a very different reason, uh, it's because I'm still getting over a cold. Well, hopefully, I will not. I don't think I can transfer this cold to you via the microphone. I don't think that's how it works. Well, I Yet. was thinking Who hopefully knows? that it's flu season here and there's been a bug going around. So hopefully I don't get that. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, luckily, like the important, I think the important event for your ye- year, decade, maybe, uh, is happening tomorrow, right? Or rather, oh, yes, the t- Halloween. today. Yes. No, tomorrow. Well, I mean, today, the day that the episode comes out. Oh, yes. Happy Halloween. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, are you excited? Do you have your costume together? Are you ready? I do. Are you ready? I've got my, my steampunk outfit all ready to go. Uh, I might just need a hat or something, but I might just not have a hat at all and go with my 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 fine regular hair. Do you have a steampunk character name? I was thinking about this last night. Do you think uh, I could ever pull off being a Cornelius? Absolutely, you could. <laughs> I wish that you had more time to grow a mustache, like a nice waxed handlebar mustache. I can't for the life of me grow any facial hair, so I'm afraid I'm going to have to disappoint you there. But a That's friend okay. of mine is has been growing out a handlebar mustache the entire month, so that'll that's going to look very good. Well, okay, so fine. Good for them. Uh, yes, I do think you could pull off Cornelius. Do you have a monocle? I don't have a monocle. Okay, that would I have need helped. That's fine. Glasses to to see. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Fair. Uh, what's describe the rest of your uh, your getup? Do you want to see it? I can go get it. I mean, I I can see it. I just mean for the listeners at home who have been we've been teasing the Halloween for months now. Oh, we're actually going to put this in the podcast. Yeah. Oh, well, I have. Obviously, brown suit and pants. Then I have a pinstripe tie that's white and dark brown. Okay. And I've got a, a whole bunch of just delightful little watches and like keys and things that I'm going to try and arrange around my pockets. How many watches? Just the one watch, actually. But oh, okay. Okay. The, I was... the important part is it has like the little chains. Right. I'm going to try and like dangle out of different places. It looks right. good. It's not oh, like yeah. super steampunk, and I wish I had more time to like go out and actually get steampunk stuff. But but there's a way to I've, spin it. I've I think. Had, yeah, I've had Especially... a lot. I have not had much time this month uh, to focus on that because I've been moving and all that other stuff. So yeah, and like working two jobs and trying and to make a podcast eventually. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so Cornelius, what is there a last name? Vander something. Vander something. Okay. Hmm. Vander. I want to help. Steamy sort of name. That's like quasi Victorian, but I like Vander. It just needs a suffix. I have been reading a lot lately about the Earl of Sandwich, 
<laughs> you want me to be a Cornelius Vander sandwich? No, 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 no. Go to hell. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. So it turns out the uh, the I'm gonna forget now. The first or second Earl of Sandwich actually became the Viscount of a town uh, right nearby where we live currently. Uh, and I had been wondering for a long time why is there uh, there's a street on the bus route in between here and there called Sandwich Close. And I was like, that's a really interesting name for a street. Why is it called that? And I'm, I believe now it's called called that because of the Earl of Sandwich, uh, who used to be the Viscount of this town. So, and well, and he was the the Baron of sort of the region. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his name was Sir Edward Montague, and Montague Ooh. I feel like is a very good name. Cornelius Montague. Or Vaughn Montague. Vaughn Montague. I do like the Vaughn. Uh, I'm looking right now at this BuzzFeed list of 14 insane names Victorian parents gave their kids. Okay. But it's all stuff like Windsor Castle or Time of Day. Son of Thomas and Alice Day. The oh, kid's name of sure, Time. sure. Yeah. Uh, let me look up. I'm just going this to like... This poor kid has like 12 different names. 25 names. This poor child was named Anne Bertha Cecilia Diana Emily Fanny Gertrude Hypatia Lug Jane Kate Louisa Maud Nora Ophelia Quince Rebecca Starkley Teresa Ulysses Venus Winifred Xenophon Yeti Zeus. But they called her Rosebud for short. <laughs> Do you remember that episode of the Dick Van Dyke show? No, I never did watched anyone, the Dick Did Van anyone Dyke our age show. watch the Dick Van Dyke show? Uh, I mean, Vic, Dick Van Dyke is a perfectly Victorian name anyway. That's pretty, yeah, pretty good. Uh, there was an episode of the Dick Van Dyke show where uh, their son, Richie, uh, has to... I forget what the occasion was, but it was something at school where he had to write down his middle name. And his middle name is Rosebud. And he said the kids at school made fun of him and bullied him because of it. And he was like, Mom, Dad, why is my middle name Rosebud? Uh, and I guess I can spoil it. It's the Dick Van Dyke show. Nobody actually cares. Uh, they explain that they wanted to name him for all the strong men in his life. So his middle name is actually like Robert, Oscar, Samuel, Edward. Oh, no. Uh, uh, Bartholomew, Ulysses, David or something. And then they shortened, they, uh-huh. they abbreviated it to Rosebud. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good episode. Good episode. Um, well, think about my steampunk name, but nothing is going to come close to the name I came up with for my steampunk D&D character. Okay. That we're doing a, a one-shot right now. She's a spirit medium named Persistence Van Tassel. Oh, that is good. Oh, that's really good. I found I really like, especially if you're playing like D&D or something, I really like character names that are, is persistence, is that an adjective? Is that an ad, I'm so bad at grammar names. Is that a, it's it's a, not a verb? Is it a noun? Yeah. I love names like that. Like, like, well, like a, a real name, for example, like temperance. Mm-hmm. That's Such a good what name. my uh, um, inspiration was for the name. Some of Love that, it. like, quasi-Puritan, but, like, through the lens of, like, this order of spirit mediums. 
And so I came so up with good. persistence because the soul persists after death. I like it. I see what you did there. Ominous, huh? I thought it was good. I got distracted. Podcast. I got distracted briefly looking at other very English names for you. I'm trying. Uh, Carteret? Nope. Pelham. No. The Viscount Keppel. <laughs> the Viscount is a name? That, uh, Augustus Keppel, first Viscount Keppel, commonly known as the Viscount Keppel. I'm not fat enough to be an Augustus. No, this guy's, yeah, this guy's a little bit round in the in the middle there. Uh, okay, well, we'll come up with something. It's not important now, but no. it must happen. I believe in you. Maybe by the end of the episode, we'll, we'll be inspired. Maybe. Uh, are you doing anything else for Halloween, or is it just the wedding? Nope, just the Halloween wedding. Nice. That's fun. Yeah, I'm going I'm hoping... out after this episode to get a, a good haircut. Then I'm going to come home and shave and make sure my whole outfit is ready for tomorrow. Nice. I'm hoping we have trick-or-treaters. I don't really know what the situation is going to be. We're in like a more neighborhoody neighborhood area now. Uh-huh. So we might. So we bought candy just in case. But there's a like... At least 50% chance that we're just going to have a lot of candy after tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, there's worse things that could happen. That's true. That's true. We were smart. We bought candy that specifically, you know, we wanted. Mm-hmm. So I won't be sad about it, but I may need to see a dentist. I've heard that um, in places like the UK and especially Australia, there's been... Uh, a rising in people who like Halloween, but then there's like a counter movement that's like completely against even the idea of Halloween and the people who think it's just American garbage holidays and how we don't do that kind of thing around these parts. Oh, no, yeah, you're, I mean, that that was my mom in the 90s. <laughs> we were the house that handed out pencil erasers uh, with stickers that said Bible verses on them. Uh, well, that's for completely different reasons. We uh, also got egged, but I'm sure that's a coincidence and not completely all random happenstance that they chose your house in particular. Totally random. Uh, that's interesting. I I can't imagine being. I was about to say I can't imagine being anti-Halloween, but I'm trying to think of like what the American nonsense Halloween looks like, and I'm just picturing like all the college parties that I didn't get invited to. Oh, yeah. People dressed up as, like, cats and stuff and just using it as an excuse to get drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where a costume is, like, slutty fill-in-the-blank. Mm-hmm. Ooh, slutty fill-in-the-blank would be pretty good. Because it already sounds like an innuendo. <laughs> anyway, we should talk about Yu-Gi-Oh. We should talk about Yu-Gi-Oh. All right. It's Tyler, time. What? I was just about to ask you what time it is. It's time to discuss the episode. Uh, Jimmy, this week, we're talking about... Wait, did I do the intro to this fucking show? Did you? I did not.
It's time to podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to You Activated My Podcast, the weekly Yu-Gi-Oh! recap podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jimmy. And this week, we're doing things a little bit, a little bit topsy-turvy. We're going to be talking about episode 14 of season two, and that's titled Playing with a Parasite Part One. Jimmy, yeah, how many we've parts gotten... is this episode? This is a two-parter. Okay, just two. Thank God. This is a two-parter, and we're going to talk off mic, I think, about potentially grouping together multi-part episodes in the future. That's something a few listeners have reached out about. Uh, and boy, I tell you, I'm looking down the barrel this season. That's looking better and better. Yeah. It, isn't this season have like nothing but two and three part episodes? Basically, yeah. yeah with some it's, four it's and five parters sprinkled around. Multi-parters as far as the eye can see. Uh, but that's okay. We're going we're gonna to celebrate Halloween right with our old friend, Weevil Underwood. Uh, we've already done a lot of the intro stuff, so we're going to skip straight to discussing the episode, if that's okay with you, Jimmy. Let's do it. It's time to discuss the episode. The translated title of this episode is really interesting to me, uh, and it didn't make sense until about halfway through. The translated title is The Trap of Revenge, Rampage, Parasite, which is like three different sentences in one title. It's yeah. The Trap of Revenge... M dash rampage exclamation parasite. It's like three titles in one. It's like uh, the regular title and then the subtitle and then the third subtitle. Right. And the parasite is also spelled with an S, which I found really interesting because uh, it's spelled with a C everywhere else. Uh, the summary here says old enemy Weevil Underwood lures Joey into a rigged duel with a parasite, parasite monster sneaked into Joey's deck, Weevil is able to block all of his monster's attacks and summon the perfectly ultimate great moth. Perfectly, I think, is a new adjective tacked onto ultimate great moth. Is that a new card? <laughs> that sounds like that how episode. Donald Trump would describe the great moth. Oh, this, this perfectly moth. Perfectly ultimate. <laughs> this great moth is perfectly ultimate. Perfectly. There was a steel welder who came up to me, tears in his eyes, and he said, Donald Trump, your great moth is perfectly ultimate. <laughs> and I said, thank you. Here's $10 million. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I'm not sure what makes it perfectly ultimate. Also, I don't know why we need to talk about the rest of the episode, because it literally tells you everything that happens in this entire episode. Well, so there's a lot of, like, at first, right, like, I get done with the episode, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, that was kind of a, a nothing episode, right? Like, we yeah. could have squished this together. But then I look back, and I had fully four pages of notes on what happened here. There's a lot of back and forth in this episode between different locations. There's a lot of back and forth. So I think we can probably skip some things. You know, we can, we can, uh, uh, what's the word? We can generalize. We can do some broad yeah, strokes we can here, streamline but... it. Streamline yeah. the process here. But we start the episode on, uh, it's a sunny day in Battle City, uh, high of 75 degrees. <laughs> now to Cornelius with the weather. Uh, you it's just sunny. said the weather. I did. I, it's like decongestants, man, kicking in. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a nice, pleasant day, and the music is all nice and happy, but Mai is already fed up, and she says that Joey is late. Apparently, Mai and Yugi and Joey have uh, determined to meet uh, in the middle of the city so that they can high-five and then go their separate ways. Yeah. 
what was the never, purpose of this meeting? I'm pretty sure the entire purpose of this meeting was just to show Yugi, because he does not appear for the rest of this episode. Yugi oh, is yeah. sir not appearing in this film. I guess I he does at the beginning to remind me that yes, this show is called Yu-Gi-Oh, and then he goes somewhere else, and we have no idea what he's up to. Who cares? He's just the I mean, protagonist. Honestly, truthfully, who cares? <laughs> Uh, they show up, they compare locator cards, uh, Mai has four, Yugi has three, Joey has two, because he's a loser, uh, Mai wishes them luck and, like, bounces. Yeah, that's it, Uh, that's the entire scene. Joey has a a good line here that I did want to write down, though, he says, luck is for amateurs, and I immediately thought, yeah, dude, she knows. That's why she wished you luck. <laughs> yeah, she's got the most cards of everyone here, Joey. You have two of them, so uh, I don't think you should be sassing my right about now. Yeah, you have one more than the number that you started with. Good job. Well, watching uh, this scene, I realized that if Joey and Maya had a kid together, that kid is going to have the biggest blonde hairdo you've ever seen. Yeah, I guess... I mean, I'm trying to think of like how how hair genetics are passed down, but really, either way, yeah, just think, think huge of blonde hair. Joey's hair has a huge like bump in the middle, right? And then Mai's hair is just kind of that giant M shape. So right. together, they they would just have an enormous like bouffant type thing. <laughs> You've heard of Farrah Fawcett. Now get ready for Farrah Fountain. <laughs> uh. <laughs> The other thing that happens in this scene that's a little weird uh, is as Yugi walks off, Merrick's voice sort of fades in out of nowhere, and it's revealed that it's coming from inside what can only be described as a goth mime. Is it possible for mimes to be more goth? This guy certainly is. I think, like, like picture a mime, for those of you who haven't watched the episode. Picture a mime. Picture a goth mime. Remove the the... The white makeup, right? Uh, replace the striped clothes with like torn black t-shirt and jinko jeans. Yeah, imagine a mime who shops exclusively at Hot Topic. Yes, and there we are. Uh, and apparently, they're standing perfectly still because a bird lands on them as they're just like holding their <laughs> hands up, like they're making an invisible box. Yeah, they're just standing perfectly still and like. For one second at the end of the clip, like a tiny little pigeon or a sparrow flies down, lands on their shoulder, and then it just cuts away. Right. It's goth mime like, Snow White, and we spend no time on it. Yeah. There, there's, this is the last time we see this person the entire episode. So, I mean, I know who they are because I defeated them in Duel Links, but I'm not going to spoil it. Apparently, but, this mime person just standing there to be Merrick's, like, CCTV. Right. His psychic, like, spy cam. So, what the fuck? Smile, you're on psychic camera. Oh, yeah, uh, and just to remind you what the, the stakes are in this uh, this arc, Joy uh-huh. and Mai, like, walk away from their meeting, like, boy, I sure hope I get to the finals in this card game. And then we show Yugi for a second, and he's like, I sure hope I'm not attacked by another mind-controlled cultist. 
And then we see the mind-controlled cultist thinking, boy, I really do want to take over the world someday. <laughs> let me just That'd cackle nice. evilly in my own head. <laughs> well, let me cackle evilly in someone else's head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we cut away to Tristan and Taya, who were apparently even later, because they're at the game store and Yugi's already gone. Uh, Taya's blaming Tristan, and he says that he was on, quote, an extremely important call. Yeah. They met up at the game store, and then Yugi was just like, oh, I guess I'm just going to leave early and not meet up with my friends. Bye. Because like, Grandpa's okay. there, and they're talking to him. Yeah, Grandpa's already talking, but let's talk about Yugi real quick. What a dipshit, A, scheduling a meeting just to, like, high-five and then walk off. And then, B, apparently double booking yourself for that same kind of meeting. Like, well, he could have just waited and it would have been fine because Joey was late anyway. Yeah. Imagine you go to like Disneyland with your friends and then you meet up, you brush them off, meet up with a completely different group of friends. And then you're just walking around like, oh, hi, guys. See ya. Come on, Yugi, you dick. What a dipshit. Anyway, so Tristan was on an extremely important call, which Taya immediately calls out as flirting with Serenity. And Tristan does not deny it. Uh, does, does Serenity have like a phone in her room? Is that how they're doing this? I assume she has to. Because they don't have cell phones. They don't. Have, no one has a cell phone, which would solve pretty much every problem Yugi gets into. All of their problems. Uh, but I've also never been in a hospital room that had a landline in the room. That's a great question, because I know she uses a phone at some point. We've seen her do it. She has to. The world may never know. Uh, the The important part of the scene, though, is that Grandpa offers to help them find Yugi, and he says he's going to first slip on his comfy shoes. And Jimmy, I wanted to ask you. I hope you're okay with me putting you on blast like this. You saw it in the notes. I know you did. Uh you are a person uh, that I have known to own a separate pair of explicitly comfy shoes. They are shoes that are made to be comfortable in, and that is their purpose. Do you still own comfy shoes? Tyler, I am wearing a pair of slippers right now. You son of a gun. Look at you. Yeah, you just slip them on, and like the inside is made of basically like shag carpet. So it's very plush on your feet, and, and especially in a house like my new one where it's pretty cold because it's old, um, it's very nice to have a specific pair of indoor shoes just to walk around in. Nice. I so, ask yeah. because I, I, I've never been a comfy shoe person, and it wasn't until Grandpa said, let me put on my comfy shoes to help you find my dipshit grandson, that I thought, maybe I need a separate pair of comfy shoes. Well, it's entirely possible that your current like outdoor shoes are just old and you need to get a new pair because when I got my new pair of uh, sneakers earlier this year, uh, like putting them on for the first time was like, you know the idiom, a spring in your step? I literally had a spring in my step because of how squashy they were. Hmm. Because I don't think of my current shoes, like I, I have a pair of Vans and I have a, I have a pair of boots. Yeah. I don't think of either of them as being uncomfortable, but it does sound really nice to have a pair of shoes where I'm like, I'm going to Specifically feel... comfy? Yeah, I'm going to feel comfy when I put these on. I'm wondering what kind of shoes Grandpa would be talking about, 
but I keep getting Instagram shoes, Instagram ads for this pair of shoes. It's basically like made out of quilt material. And then you like, they're like slip on shoes and then they like zip them up. And then like the sides are this like quilted pattern that's ostensibly, I guess, to keep your feet warm. And then maybe you can go outside a little. They look pretty stupid, but like UGG plus. They're kind of like UGGs if you live on a farm and you need to like go outside sometimes and get them muddy. UGGs. (laughs) U-C-K. Ass. That's the best I got. Huh. Uh, I yeah. If I was there's, having a separate pair of comfy shoes and I would was a grandpa, that's the sort of the sort of shoes that I would wear. That's fair. That's fair. Now I'm just gonna be picturing him wearing. I don't think we see his feet this whole time. I have no, no. idea what comfy shoes are in this case. Would they even draw a separate pair of comfy shoes for grandpa? Because we don't see him. I feel like, okay, here's what I think happened. I think what happened is that originally, like in the in the original version of this episode, the Japanese version of this episode, they had a shoe deal. I think this was the first attempt at anime product placement. And they had a deal with some shoe company that made like, 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 a, like, a, like a Skechers type company, right? That makes comfortable running shoes targeted at old men uh or at, or at young people who knows uh you know the target audience of the show and uh when they moved the show to the United States that deal fell through because that company was Japanese only that's what i think happened now i'm picturing that scene in um i robot with will smith where he for like he's contractually obligated to wear these like he puts on Converse All-Stars. Oh, right. Yeah, he spends 10 minutes lacing up a pair of high tops. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, one of the other characters is like, hey, Spooner, nice shoes. And then he's like, thanks. They're vintage 2003 or whenever the movie came out. <laughs> whenever the movie came out. And everyone's like, oh, that's this year. <laughs> Man, the product in that placement in that movie was just bonkers. Because all to the, be like, fair, super though. fancy future cars were all, like... Audi or whatever. Yeah. To be fair, though, if you had purchased a pair of black Converse, like, high-top Chuck Taylors uh, and just never used them, like, just kept them in the box, I wonder how much they would be worth in, like, 20 years. It'd probably be pretty good. Or nothing. Or nothing. Because they're shit shoes. People, please don't use our show for investment advice. No, please do. (laughs) All right, listeners, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go out. You're going to buy all the Beanie Babies you can afford. I promise you in 20 years, they'll be worth a grand each. (laughs) What's the the modern equivalent of of the Beanie Baby fad? God, modern Beanie Babies? Like, what's the 2019, you need to buy this toy? I mean, it's like an iPhone, right? I guess. I guess. Everyone has what's, like an iPhone 11 now. I don't know what happened. What's the name of those those Disney characters where it's like every Disney character, but they're like a tube? Oh, Tsum uh, Tsum? Some Tsum Tsums, yeah. Those are pretty good. I like those. That's that's pretty Beanie Baby equivalent. Uh, maybe a Funko Pop? 
Oh, Funko Pop wishes they were Beanie Babies. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting away from ourselves. Uh, we cut back to Joey, who is searching for a duel to win. You know how the devil went down to Georgia? Mm-hmm. Joey went down to Battle City, looking for a soul to steal. Uh, actually, no, he just wants a locator card. Um, he is... He's literally he, walking around like, you know, Stinko Man from Homestar Runner, the... 20XDX. 20XD6. But oh, he's right. like walking, he's a blue-haired anime version of Strong Bad. He's always like looking for a challenge. Right. That's literally what Joey is doing right now. Just wandering around. I wonder if I'm going to find a challenge. Which like, I hmm, I get that it's a city, right? Battle city. Mm-hmm. Big place cities are, right? Lots of streets, places where people can go. But this speaks to me as a failing of Kaiba Corp that there aren't just places that you can go where you're like, you know, like a matchup square, right? Like, yeah. hey, looking for group. Some kind of arena would be nice. Right. Some some kind of matchmaking service where you can be like, hey, put me in, coach. Which I guess is the point where you can just have duels anywhere, but all the duels seem to happen in just like wide open squares and plazas and things they seem to happen in places that are designed not designed but have enough space for a duel to happen yeah right such as the middle of the street sure which kind of happens in this case actually but yeah so so he's walking around and this rando kid whose name we never learn uh appears he's got like blue hair uh and he sounds like a Peanuts character. He is the only person in this entire show who has actually sounded like a child. And I haven't looked this up yet. This might actually be a child doing the voice here. I could have and sworn it's... he sounds exactly like Linus. Yeah. And it's off-putting, too, because you've seen, you've met other children. Like, this this kid is arguably older than Mokuba, right? Yeah, but, but Mokuba... Mokuba sounds like this. Which is and, clearly and just a guy doing a voice. Right, exactly, exactly. And this is clearly a child's voice, and it's so... It, it, it stands out so sorely from the rest. You can hear um, the chubby cheeks. <laughs> yeah, which kind of makes me like this kid, but also I'm looking at your note about the, how this... Describe to me how this child looks. <laughs> he looks like Ludwig von Koopa. Yes, that's exactly it. You've distilled it so perfectly. He's Ludwig von Koopa voiced by Linus from Peanuts. That is the essence of this character. His hair just looks like a big mustache that curls up at the tips and is blue. And is blue for some reason. It's Ludwig van Koopa. So the kid asks Joey, Aim, mister, I'm a big fan. Wow, you're Joey Wheeler. You were second in Duelist Kingdom. Wow. Uh, we can't even do the voice. That's how young this kid it's sounds. Impossible for me to emulate this child's voice. Um, and he asks Joey for his autograph, and he he says that he he I want to get it for mm, uh, my sister Jessica, who has a big crush on you. Yeah, he practically all but says Jeepers, Mister, you're Joey Wheeler. Uh, and so he convinces Joey to to sign his like poster or whatever of something it's like a magazine i think yeah it's not entirely clear what he is signing at least i didn't Uh, notice 
part of me really wanted this to be like uh like a ruse where he's getting served a subpoena right? <laughs> all right sign here please <laughs> i think it's just gonna walk away and be like you got served there's a duel in court and you've been summoned welcome uh, to duel court but that doesn't happen he takes the autograph back and the kid asks... This is a asks, new crossover game with uh, Phoenix Wright. Where Phoenix oh, has to learn how to duel. That would be... Okay, so instead of you activating my trap card, you have to yell objection. <laughs> you activated my evidence. You activated... You, you activated, activated my, my updated autopsy report. <laughs> you activated my cross-examination. <laughs> I play contaminated evidence. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I play disbarred. corrupt judicial system. Um, uh, so, so the kid asks then the audacity on this guy. He asks, "Please, sir, Mister Joey, sir, can I try on your dual disc? It's so cool. Every duelist has one. It must it must really set you apart as a as a human being. Can I try on your dual disc?" And Joey's like, sure. Yeah, why not? You're just a kid. So he takes it off, hands it over to the kid, and starts monologuing about, like, you know, it doesn't just take cards to be a good duelist. Really, it takes charisma and, and, and a, a, a determination, and you got to wake up early every day, and you got to make three eggs, and you got to drink coffee straight out of the filter. Uh and uh, and he looks down, and the kid's gone. Yeah, he closes his eyes to monologue. That's how into it he is. And can is... you guess what happens? The kid just books it. And I knew it was a trap. I knew it was a trap of some kind from the get-go. As soon as this, like, Linus motherfucker showed up... <laughs> you activated trap. my regular trap. It's like... It's like in an adventure game, you know, like the point and click adventure games mm -hmm. where you're like trying to figure out what thing to click on and you finally figure it out because like that rock is like shaded just slightly differently from the other rocks. Like it's animated differently or like in a, in a like a Bugs Bunny cartoon, you know that something's going to move later because it's it's cell shaded as opposed to the painted background. Yeah, it's just a beautiful like painterly background with like oils and pastels and shit. And then you have this like straight cartoon rock and it's like hmm i wonder what object in this scene is going to move right that's how i felt about this child when it's voiced by a <laughs> real kid and not some like paid voice actor i mean i hope he was paid but like right yeah oh jeepers mister can so i see you off. can i see your entire deck uh <laughs> hey famous duelist can i just take your livelihood uh, in, into my hands for a moment. Uh, so then we come back to, to Grandpa Tristan and Joey, uh, uh, Taya, sorry, walking around the city looking for Yugi. Because uh, that's what you do when you don't have a cell phone. You just walk around an entire city yelling for your friend. The year is 2000. Uh, 2001 or two at this point, actually. Uh, and then they see Joey chasing the kid. And Jimmy, I'm going to have you describe this scene whilst I mute myself and blow my nose. <laughs> All right, they're just wandering around, and then they cross, like, a pedestrian crossing bridge over, like, a main thoroughfare. And then they look over the side, and they see two people running. And they're like, look, over there! What's going on? 
because that's what you do when you see people walking in the city. And then Grandpa says, looks like some youngsters are playing tag, which is a totally cool and normal and regular thing to say. And then they're like, wait a sec, that's Joey. And it like zooms in. Uh, it's Joey chasing the kid who's got the dual disc in his arms. Joey's catching up. Uh, Tristan's like, oh no, not, I'm going to jump down and help my friend. I forget what exactly he says. But Tristan straight up does parkour over the edge of this pedestrian overpass. I thought I'm for back. certain. Yes, he should have been recording this for YouTube, but go ahead. I thought for sure Tristan was going to like tackle the kid, just like bodily take him down like Batman style. But he just like lands next to him and then grabs him by the arm because you can't just like yeah. top of the rung body slam a child. The well, only Tristan, actual child that we've met so far. Tristan has uh, the sharp fist curse. Like he doesn't want to kill this kid. Yeah, he has a sharp fist and a sharp elbow. He would slice this kid in half. Who knows what other parts of him are sharp? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so they, 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 they pin him down, right? And they demand to know why uh, uh, he took uh, Joey's deck. And the kid explains that he didn't know how to become a duelist without stealing somebody else's deck because someone stole his deck. Oh, what a tragic and not contrived at all backstory. I spent so much time building my, my cards and buying the perfect deck and now somebody stole it and I was sad. <clears throat> Wah. Wah. That's my sob story. Call a ambulance. Uh, so they asked the kid who stole his cards. And Jimmy, I'm going to tell you, this is my, I, I'm pre-favoriting this. This is my favorite <laughs> bit of the whole episode because he says, I don't know. He had bug eyes and a head like a blue beetle. Can you guess from the name of the episode who this might be? This is a pretty good bit. I'll grant you that. And there's um, a great sequence where a thought bubble appears from Grandpa and, and, and uh, no, from Joey and, and Tristan and Taya. And it the, pans up empty. from their heads. They're all like thinking hard. And then a, like a big like cartoon thought bubble appears. And then. And it's empty. It's empty. And then yeah. they fill it in with. Bug okay, eyes. Let's see. They had bug eyes, and then like two bug eyes appear, and it had like a blue beetle, and then like a perfectly like bowl cut head piece appears, and then like unanimously they chant in unison, Weevil Underwood. And they sort of have drawn this like imaginary, like chibi version of Weevil Underwood that's like, mm, chef's kiss, perfect. I, I, I wanted to say this is going to be my, like, my new profile picture on everything. Uh, I Part of me wishes I could pull off blue hair like Weevil Underwood could, but it's fine. Um, Jimmy, I need to ask you. I know we keep going off on tangents. The description that he gives is head like a blue beetle. And the thing that they picture is a blue bowl cut. Blue, I get. The color is fine. Mm -hmm. What the fuck do blue beetles look like that they got bowl cut from that? The only thing I can think of is, like, uh, stag beetles. The ones that they have in Japan that kids, like, yeah. go out in the woods and collect and then make them fight. Yeah, that's what I'm picturing, too. Or, uh, or you know, Ted Cord from uh, the DC Universe. Uh, blue beetle... It really looks more like a roly poly. I'm I'm just I'm just getting just like a half books. moon shape. 
like half a circle cut in half blue blue beetle blue beetle but not comics how do i how do i say but not comics in my search god damn it blue beetle insect injustice 2 no insect I'm just gonna uh, yeah, look okay. for like Japanese a half, beetles. Like a half dome. But if you if you had told someone, yeah, their head looked like a blue beetle. I would expect a lot more like legs sticking out, personally. Yeah, like antennae. Like, oh okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, this mm -hmm. guy's got two giant antennae sticking out. So we're looking for an alien. Alright, check, check, check. Cool, cool, cool. But they somehow jump straight to blue bowl cut Weevil Underwood. <laughs> Who has an entirely just their entire life is based around bugs. Who could Which, that okay. possibly be? To be fair, like, you could, bug eyes and blue beetle, like, in the same sentence, you're gonna think of Weevil Underwood anyway. His SEO is great. Yeah. Uh, the kid tells them that Weevil is by the fountain, and they run off. And then the kid goes, see ya, good luck, goodbye. And then has an evil look on his face. He sort of smirks the camera. <laughs> uh, revealing that this is a double trap. Whoa. My second favorite Lindsay Lohan movie. Uh, the kid meets up with Weevil in the next scene. Uh, in, in, in a, a dark movie. alleyway, like a freaking yeah. noir film. Uh, like Weevil's about to sell him drugs or something. Uh, and Weevil greets him and he's like, oh, did you do the thing? And... You know, in a way, it's good to see Weevil taking on an apprentice. You know, it's like yeah. it's like the Sith rule of two. Good for you, Weevil. You found the one person in existence who's shorter than you, who's not Mokuba. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I wonder how he stacks up against Mokuba, but I, I think they may be even. Uh, the kid demands uh, the rare card that Weevil promised him as payment. And Weevil's like, oh, yeah, sure, here. Hands over a card. And the kid goes, hey. It's a stinking Gokabor card. Everyone has this. Oh, yeah. You know, Gokabor, the famous card that we all know. You know, the Bidoof of dual monsters. Gokabor. <laughs> Everyone knows who Gokabor is. The mascot of the show, Gokabor. This, this really is the first time that we're seeing Gokabor. No one has ever even seen or heard of Gokabor. What are you talking like about, kid? I've seen it. I've seen it in Duel Links. I've seen it because I've played the game. But like, this is the first time we've seen Gokabor in the show. We've seen, we've seen Dark Magician more than Gokabor, and Dark Magician is supposedly a rare card. There's only three blue eyes white dragons in the entire world, and we've seen all of them more times than Gokabor. We've seen Obelisk Gokubor. the Tormentor more times than Gokabor. <laughs> <laughs> we've seen Exodia more times than Gokabor, and supposedly no one's ever played it. Gokabor, no one's ever been able to summon him. It's just like a bug. A bug. <laughs> Basic insect. Uh, Weevil does have a really good response here, though. He says, Oh, how does Weevil's voice go again? God, I need a, Tyler, I need like a please do the voice. Oh, you want me to give you something else? That's <laughs> a little higher, higher that, pitched, yeah. Oh, you want me to give you something else? All right. How about there the taste go. of my arachno slime? And he pulls off that fucking Nerf gun that shoots slime. It's like a water pistol with like a spider attached to the top. It's a it's a Spider-Man toy from Target is what it is. Yeah. Uh I And he slimes the kid. 
he slimes him. He's it's it's Nick at night. He just fucking slimes him. And I'm so so glad, Jimmy. Finally, somebody did the thing that we've been wanting this entire show. He pulls a fucking gun on him. Not a not a not a bullet gun, mind you, a slime gun, but still, still a gun nonetheless. And I think that's important. Yeah, he just slimes the kid. All right, this insect isn't good enough for you. Get slimed, kid. <laughs> Here's some gunk. Uh, <laughs> Here's some goop in your face. You want you want this some gak? My... Here's some gak. <laughs> this is my arachno slime. Yakety yak. Here's some gak. <laughs> Ratatat tack. That's the sound of my gak. <laughs> uh, so then Weevil just like monologues to himself some more and walks away calmly as this kid scrambles to get white goop off his face well to be fair it's green gunk it's not white me, gunk. i do want to make that abundantly clear it's a light green though it's a very yeah, light it's green. a mint uh so he walks away and he walks kind of towards the camera <laughs> and he does this this is an amazing moment as well weevil has some choice moments in this episode he's walking towards the camera he's like looking Maybe at the camera, maybe just like just past the camera. And he he does like an evil grin and he squints a little bit. And as he squints, the camera's eye also squints. Yeah, it's not like the iris is closing, but it's like the top and bottoms of the screen just kind of squeeze in until all you can see is his eyes. It's like the opposite of, uh, you know, like when somebody is waking up in a movie and you get that point of view shot from their perspective and you see the iris kind of open and close, uh, yeah. like the, the the fake eyelids, right? It's that, but in reverse. You see it just kind of focus in. Hey, you, you're finally awake. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, that's the stuff of nightmares right there. It's my, it's my sleep paralysis. <laughs> that's what I see in my sleep paralysis of Weevil Underwood. Uh, <laughs> but so that's that's an amazing shot. It's a very noir. Um, it's like how away. in like noir films when they have that real intense eye light, just kind of reflected yes. bright and just like a band over the eyes. It's like that, except they didn't want to animate like actual shadows. No, no, no. They just they just God affected no. the vignette basically. It's very similar to to something that they do in like the original series of Star Trek quite a bit. When they really want Kirk to seem dramatic, they have literally just a separate light that's just a strip of light that they shine on him. The and Kirk it like light. switches on all of a sudden and he squints, but you can tell that he's trying desperately not to blink. <laughs> uh, we cut away to the hospital uh, where Serenity still is. It's unclear still how much time has passed. But how long do you think Serenity's been in this, like, post-op ward? It feels like months, but that's because that's how long we've been doing this show. True. But even after, like, a few days, like, she's not on fluids. She's not, no. like, in danger of bleeding out her eye holes. Like, can't she just go home? Yeah, I feel like after a certain point, after your eye surgery, like, if you get LASIK or something, you just go home. You have to wear like, like bed rest, yeah. Like don't do anything. But yeah, you have to get wear those like shitty plastic glasses that just like wrap around your head. 
but like ah, the cool the cool stunner shades the stunner shades the bargain basement matrix outfit yeah but otherwise she just like lying in bed with a friggin bandage over her eyes like daredevil oh she is daredevil she is totally daredevil oh she's now. especially daredevil because of what happens in this scene so this scene opens with the door squeaking on its hinges right like it just like was hit by a gust of wind or something mm-hmm. uh and the nurse comes in and asks if serenity heard anyone come in and says that apparently there's a little boy running around the ward trying to avoid his x-rays uh and serenity is like nope didn't hear anything sorry which is a lie because as soon as the nurse leaves she's like all right you can come out now and the kid whose name is is it kenpa I don't remember. I have it written down like three different ways because I, I keep mishearing it. I think it's Kenpa. Uh, Ken, Kenpa. K-E-N-P-A. Uh, Ken, He was there the whole time. Ken, Ken Pennsylvania. Uh, it was there the whole time. Uh, Serenity's blindness has apparently enhanced her other senses. Yeah, she knew he was there the whole time. She just ain't going to narc on no kid. Which is good of her that's maybe that's maybe the most i respect her so far uh and kenpa offers to uh do something in return and uh serenity asks him to check the battle city website which we get a shot of just briefly the battle city website it's improved slightly since we saw it last and it was just like a little bit a blurry a single blurry picture uh now there's a there's a menu there's clearly a menu we can't see any of the text, of course. The menu options are just, like, yellow blocks. Yeah. Uh, but they also have, I noticed, this is a very, like, web 1.0 thing. They're beveled. Yes, they're beveled. They have, like, this swirly purple background. And then just, like, a gif of a dual disc. This is extremely right. GeoCities. Kaiba's technology yeah, like a... may be from like 2095, but his website design, 1995. <laughs> this well, is why yeah, you gotta have so the humanities instead of just STEM. Right, exactly. You end up with I was shit like say. this on your official Battle City website. That, that's what he gets for advancing the technology too far too quickly, is that there aren't any graphic designers who know how to use those tools yet. No, he probably has a whole section just of like downloads and one for images. <laughs> if you scroll over it's it's a soundbite of him saying the name of the page like uh like the homestarrunner.com where it's like games tunes but it's, but it's kind of going, games tunes characters email store and then you could scroll back and forth between the buttons and he goes games email g- g- games e- e- email 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 game store games e- email store go down to the bottom and it's like please send my guest book it's <laughs> one of those count yeah a counter showing everyone who's like in dual city there's a page that's just a shot of karibo with a shovel and it says under construction <laughs> <laughs> i miss when websites just had pages of downloads you don't you can't find downloads anymore i should have one of those to our website what would we put on a on a heart of the dot cards downloads page i don't know because it's for a podcast the only thing you want to download at a podcast website is the podcast, which I assume everyone listening to this has already done. Well, 
so I don't have. Uh, Should we make some wallpapers? Can, there's a place where you can play the podcast on the website. I don't have. I don't think. Uh, separate download links. Maybe I should do that. Yeah, maybe we should make some like wallpapers, some aim notification sounds. Ooh, now there's a thought. So every time you log into AOL Instant Messenger, it says it's time to podcast. And uh, anytime an error pops up, it's a clip of you any t- any episode from last season you going i'm sorry what <laughs> uh all right let's revisit that idea i like that a lot let's revamp our website to be 90s specific hell yeah uh <laughs> so uh heart of the dot cards kids uh so uh, what happens next? So the gang, we cut back to, to Joey and Tristan and Taya and Grandpa. Uh, you know, the gang. Uh, and they are on the hunt for Weevil. I'm it's just, Weevil season. I'm just picturing, like, making a a wallpaper of the show, but having to compress it to be in 256 colors. <laughs> 600 by 800 resolution. 600 by 800. Pull into Photoshop and, like reverse engineering it to make it worse to fit like original web standards you know jimmy a lot of people say that we don't have any good ideas on this show and i think we're we're about to prove them wrong man i need to go and like learn how to do um dithering again to make sure the colors meld correctly in the gradients I'll uh I'll whip up a, a wallpaper size version of the album art. Maybe we can start there. Sure, let's do it. Oh, add a lens flare. Just a regular shitty Ooh, Photoshop lens just flare. Just right in the middle. Yeah. yeah. We have to do this now. All right. The anyway, clouds effect as a background. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> but yes. Did you ever do the thing? Did you ever do the thing where you did in Photoshop? It's the clouds effect as the background. Uh, and then you used the posterize effect on the clouds and you turned all the sliders like all the way up and it gave it that like liquid chrome look. Yeah. Emboss that, it. Like, yeah. That like every rock album of like 1997 used. This is poisoning my soul. It's so good. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's, let's go back to the episode. Uh, Joey, Tristan, Taya, and Grandpa, Sans Yugi, drop that dead weight. Uh, they're on the hunt for Weevil. Yeah, what's the show and... called again? Joey O. Yeah, G- Gra- Grandpa O. Uh, uh, Tristan, Teo. Taya, Joey O's. Uh, now I'm picturing an alternate universe where Joey gets the Millennium Puzzle, and then the Pharaoh comes out, and he too has a Brooklyn accent. Oh my God. Yeah, it's time to duel, see? That would be actually legitimately amazing. I I want to see Yami Joey. Yeah, like how would they how would they change that up? Maybe maybe instead of him being a pharaoh, what if it's just like he's a mob boss from from actual That's New so York. That's so good. Ah, uh, you know people have already done fan art of Yami Joey. Oh god, I'm sure they have. I'm just picturing like, like Joey, and then I don't know, like like Fat Joey as Yami Joey. Like I really want him to be fat and like wear a little hat 
He's got like a three-piece suit on, and he's saying, I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. Here, I'll drop I'm it in chat. i trap card. Uh, There's oh, also a lot of you. art for Yami X Joey. Oh, boy. People, oh, I'm sure there is. People shipping Yami Yugi and Joey. There was a name for that back when we got that list of all the different ship names. There's a name for that that I'm forgetting now. <laughs> Sorry, I scrolled down too far. I found this image I'm going to send to you now. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. Buckle up. It's called Blue Eyes Ultimate Joey. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. You need to put this on the Instagram. Oh, my God. If you can if you can find the name of the artist who did this, let's put this up on Instagram and let's credit them because this is... Holy shit. We need to share this with the people. Uh, it's wow. just Yugi summoning Joey, but with three heads, and he's doing that weird face. This is the three wolf moon of Joey fan art. It's totally is. three wolf moon. Oh my god. Wow. Uh, yeah, what what Google image search did you use to get here? Just Joey fan art? Yami Joey. All right. Okay. So listeners, if you want to play along at home, there you go. Uh, from the woods comes a voice saying, looking for someone. Uh, Please keep and doing they this all turn around voice. It's very good. And it's, it's Weevil Underwood. Yes, that hit character from House of Cards. I mean, sorry, uh, from, from the card show. Uh, Weevil Underwood. <laughs> uh, I'm the president of the United States of America. <laughs> this joke is so much better knowing that uh, fucking what's-his-name is a piece of shit. Um, Kevin Spacey. To the point where I... Thank you, Spacey. To know that he's actually like a villain uh, and not a good person. Uh, My name is Kevin Spacey. Replacing Kevin Spacey with Weevil Underwood <laughs> is just such a. Mm, oh, that feels. Oh, yeah, it tastes good. The entire show is the same, except he, um, the main character, is replaced by Weevil Underwood, and everyone's just interacting with this like malevolent child, <laughs> and nothing changes. All the dialogue stays the same. Everything stays the same. He's still married to uh, um, Robin Wright. Uh, it's all uh, it's all good. Anyway, that like slow zoom, like dolly in on him as he speaks directly from to the camera. Except he sounds like this the whole time. Oh, what's that? What's that opening monologue that he does about fucking biscuits or whatever? God, yes, find it and do it in his voice. All right, let me let me see if I can find here. Uh... Southern food. He does it. He does a whole. I've seen like three episodes of House of Cards. Uh, he does a monologue about Southern food. Uh, in like episode one, I can't. Uh, I can't find it. This is not good audio. I really apologize. And it's about to get worse. Uh, okay, chapter one, House of Cards. Uh, I think the most famous one is from like season two where he looks at the camera and says, do you think I've for I'd forgotten you? Here, I'll oh. copy and paste it verbatim into your ch chat so you can say it. Okay, okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I was just looking at that one. Do you think I'd forgotten you? Perhaps you'd hoped I had. 
Don't waste a breath mourning Miss Barnes. Every kitten grows up to be a cat. They seem so harmless at first. Small, quiet, lapping up their saucer of milk. But once their claws get long enough, they draw blood. Sometimes from the hand that feeds them. <laughs> For those of us climbing to the top of the food chain, there can be no mercy. But there is one rule. Hunt or be hunted. Welcome back. <laughs> I maybe Christ. made that just a smidge too crazy, but I felt it was appropriate. <laughs> oh my god, this is a disaster. This is a... <laughs> Okay, for the one person still listening to this podcast, hi, Mom, how are you? Um, so they all turn around. There's Weevil Underwood. Joey says, I thought I smelled a dung beetle. Uh, and there's, there's, a, there's a brief moment of tension as I wonder whether or not Tristan is going to, like, rush him. Tristan cracks his knuckles and is literally about to beat the shit out of Weevil Underwood. Just uh, applying fist to faces. It would have been a really satisfying end of the episode, actually, except I just remembered that Weevil still has that slime gun. Uh, Joey. Weevil desperately trying to slime Tristan so he can't get him, but it just makes him more lithe. And Tristan, <laughs> Tristan punches through big slices of, of web. <laughs> no! Cuts his way out with his fists. Uh, Joey starts to challenge Weevil to a duel. Taya reminds him of how big a cheater Weevil is, like when he threw Yugi's Exodia cards overboard in season one. Joey ignores her, finishes the challenge anyway. Weevil agrees, but they'll be dueling for two locator cards. That is, if you even have two. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's revealed that, yes, they both have two cards. So whoever loses uh, is out. Dun, dun, dun. they lose both their cards. So at this point, they pull out their duel discs, and the duel begins. I want to say real quick that I know that we've noticed a few animation changes in, in like, the style of animation, right? Like, it's getting more, somehow more anime. Yes. Weevil has a really slight redesign in this episode. He has and a new, a... like, jacket. It's like a tracksuit jacket yeah. with, like, this cool beetle pattern on it. And his haircut's like a little a little closer cut. Maybe his glasses are a little better. I don't know. I think he has the same glasses. But there's a pose that he does right as the duel starts that makes him look so fucking cool. It's incredible. He does this thing where he's like pushing up his glasses or something and he like gets his duel disc ready and he's like got his head tilted down and he's looking up at Joey and there's a black flame flickering behind him that like takes up most of the frame. And it's like... Holy shit, this is like a boss battle that we're gearing up for here. Yeah. But then, then it he cuts like, and it's like, oh, it's Weevil. Then he like brings his arm in to like show off the dual disc. So half of the screen is him looking cool. And the half, the other half is like the dual disc with all his like insect cards on it. Like, get ready, suckers. It's a boss battle. Literally flexing on his haters. Literally flexing on the haters. Literally flexing on the haters. I mean, it's kind of ruined by the fact that he is such a dork and he's but wearing he's still shorts. Yeah. yeah, he's still Weevil. Is he wearing shorts? He's wearing shorts, yes. <laughs> he's literally a bug-type Pokemon trainer. He's wearing shorts. They're comfy and easy to wear. My perfect, flawless son. <laughs> I 
I okay. I give Weevil Underwood a lot of shit, but like, so much of me wants to be like Weevil, right? Tyler, like, no, 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 no. Hear me out. Hear me out. Have some respect for yourself. Not his voice. No, no. But hear me out. Dude has a unique look, right? That's good, actually, in this episode. It wasn't before. I'll give you that. But in this episode, it's a good look. He pulls it off. His previous look was extremely stupid. He's got custom-made glasses that have the little, like, scarab beetle in the middle. Super cool. Round glasses. Wish I could pull that off. Blue hair. That's in, apparently. It looks good. And he's got such a distinct thing, right? Yeah. But he clearly loves. He clearly he wouldn't be doing the bug thing if he if it weren't his absolute like heart's desire. He has leaned fully into the bug aesthetic. And it must be so cool in a world like this to have something that's not only like I'm very passionate about this thing, but also if I lean into it, I'm gonna look dope as hell. Like that must be such a re- like such a uh 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 like confidence boosting life to live right such a such an affirmation to be like ah yes my weird interest is bugs and i get that's not everyone's thing but like i make this look good yeah he leans into it and he's like a regional champion he's the bug guy he's so into bugs that whenever he's around other people they can't help but make bug puns right and bug references that is the level of enthusiasm that I think all of us should strive to reach in whatever our respective hobbies are. Like, I want to find a way to make web pages that randomly generate role-playing games into menswear, right? Like, <laughs> I want a, I want a suit jacket that gives you a random noun. <laughs> it's like uh, Rex Raptor. Everyone has to make, like, dinosaur jokes. I don't true, think his... True, but it's- aesthetic is quite as potent as weevils but no that's what i was gonna say if rex raptor started wearing a dinosaur costume though then he'd be on the same level a dinosaur costume but like gq yeah anyway let's talk about the duel like a cool Uh, black jacket with gold embroidered like patterns of fossils literally just the black ranger power ranger outfit (laughs) Congratulations, you invented Power Rangers. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the duel. It happens. Uh, there's I, there's some stuff that I wrote down that's like a cutaway back and forth between the hospital. Do you think we need to talk about that? No, I think all the hospital, all the hospital stuff I noticed, we've done before. Just Serenity yeah. in the hospital worrying about how Joey is doing in the battle. And a side character telling her everything is going to be okay. Right. And I think the difference here is that it's Kenpa doing the worrying and it's Serenity saying that everything's going to be okay. Serenity is overconfident in Joey to a fault at this point. And it's, it's like her most endearing and her most frustrating character trait, possibly because it's her only character trait. (laughs) Besides being blind that's not that's not a character trait no that's like that's a that's a just a spot you're in at the moment because it's temporary mm-hmm. anyway but we so don't need talk to about the duel then yeah we don't need to talk about the hospital scene at all it's really just 
reheated stuff we've seen before. It's yesterday's it's leftovers. Leftover serenity content. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Joey begins the duel by playing Swordsman of Landstar in attack mode. Then he plays another card face down. Swordsman of Landstar, I want you all to remember, is that like potato faced fairy hero guy we've talked about before. Yeah, like, um, like he's like a he's like a cross between Rayman and Link from Legend of Zelda. Yeah, he's just like a, a real dumpy little fairy hero. Uh, but when he comes out, he has the sound effect of a roaring bear for some reason. <laughs> he does. <laughs> Which is co- a completely inappropriate sound effect to use for this, like, happy-go-lucky little guy. I think I think the sound editors of the show had just, like, a very small folder of sounds they could use for the cards. Because I noticed that uh, it might have even been earlier on in this season, Celtic Guardian and, uh, is it? ox warrior or warrior ox or whatever it is the big minotaur dude yeah they have the exact same sound effect there's just various roars that they have and there's only like six wave files they didn't have access to the same sound effects library as the the japanese creators did yeah they they share a sound library with uh national uh, geographic yeah thank you (laughs) uh okay so uh he plays that he plays a card face down Weevil uh, plays a card called Flying Kamakiri Number One uh, in attack mode. It's a bug. Flying, it's a bug. Flying Kamakiri Number One. I don't think we st- we have in the monster bracket anymore. I remember taking them out or wanting to take them out because literally the full text on this card is, "It's a bug." <laughs> uh, it plays Kamakiri in attack mode and attacks Swordsman. Joey reveals that the face-down card is a trap card called Shield and Sword, which switches the attack and defense of all the monsters on the field, meaning that Swordsman instead kills Kamakiri. Weevil goes, that was my plan all along, thank you! Uh, and uh, reveals that Kamakiri's card effect is that when it dies, it summons a more powerful insect monster called, can you guess? Flying, Flying Kamakiri number two. Wow, who would have... Who would have thought? I feel like if you were to see these in a in like a list, it would feel sort of like ordering in a Chinese food place. Like, yeah, I'll have the number one. Yeah, you know the uh, the the, the fifty seven and uh, the forty three, but not spicy. Flying Kamakiri number one, uh, and the number two, but uh, uh, you know extra maybe some rice on the side. Uh, Joey draws Jinzo. Our good friend Jinzo, who we talked about last yeah, week. Yeah, good friend Jinzo. Uh, sacrifices Swordsman to summon it. Jinzo attacks Kamakiri number two and kills it, uh, which Weevil pretends for a moment, frustrates him, and then he plays a card face down in defense mode. Jinzo attacks again, and the face down card is revealed to be Kisatai. The Flying Leech. This is the first time we've seen Kisatai. We've talked about it before in the bracket, and if, I think a few other times. Uh, yeah. But this is the first time seeing it in the show, and gotta say, hella gross. Super gross. The card art uh, that we were looking at on the bracket was, like, gross enough already. It was like... How would you describe it? It's just a like big... A... Like, segment... It looks like a, a segmented worm... Where all the segments are like finger bones. 
Yeah, it's like a demonic balloon animal. Yeah, it doesn't have, it's not like smoothly curved like a worm. It has like a zigzag. It has joints. It has joints, yeah. But it looks, it looks uh, uh, like smooth, right? Except for at the joints where it has these like bumps and like weird little nodules. Like elbows. To, yeah. Kizatai in the show does not look like that. It's still like long and elbowy, but it's got ridges and bumps. Yeah, it looks sickly. Skin? This is the sort of thing that you would find in some like museum of oddities, like pickled in a jar. Yes. Yes, absolutely. This is like in the exhibition next to Jake the Alligator Man. Yeah. Uh it I I ugh. I feel like throwing up just thinking about it. Is is how super super gross Kisatai looks in the show. And to make matters worse, it wraps itself around the fucking Cenobite looking Jinzo with his fucking Darth Vader post burn head. And it's just like gross skin on gross skin on gross skin and they're like wrapping around each other and like it's like two different horror it it it's the Freddy versus Jason of gross things that I don't want to look at. Well, it's going to get even grosser because then Kisatai takes its tail and inserts it into Jinzo's head. Oh, I forced myself to forget about this. I mean, it's like glowing, so it's not like a graphic representation of this like awful parasite thing, but it's still It's a spiritual ice pick. Yeah. It's still really gross. But this has the effect when Kisatai comes out, it wraps around Jinzo, and on each of Joey's turns, it does, like, life leech. And Weevil's life points grow by a way bigger number than I remembered. He, his life points grow by 1,200 on each of Joey's turns. Yeah, and it's crazy because it's not taking life from Jinzo or from Joey. It's just giving Weevil a free 1,200 life points every turn. Damn, that's a good card. Right. So, okay, so that's attached to Jinzo. Gross. Joey goes to attack, uh, but it's his turn again, so Weevil's life points go up. Jinzo attacks, even though Kisatai is attached, and he destroys uh, Weevil's other uh, defense mode monster that, that he played as well. Uh, but Weevil then gets more life points on top of that. And Weevil explains that the face-down card was Skullmark Ladybug, which I think we've also talked about in the bracket. We mentioned it briefly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that gives him another 500 life points when it dies. So basically point, everything Weevil's been doing just gives him tons and tons of free health. Yeah, this is a, it's a white deck. Yeah. Uh, Grandpa dispenses some wisdom at this point. He says, insect cards can be very, very tricky. Thanks, Grandpa. I'm sure Thanks, glad you Grandpa. run a game store. Uh, Weevil plays another face down card in defense mode, uh, passes his turn, giving him another 1200 life points because it's Joey's turn again. Uh, Joey says, here's goes nothing. Here, here's goes nothing is what I just said. Here goes nothing is what Joey said. And he draws and he plays our old friend Panther Warrior. Yep. It's just a panther uh, with a sword. Panther Warrior came up in the bracket. And I'm going to look now because I believe Panther Warrior lost. Is that right? 
for a very specific reason, being that in order to attack Panther Warrior, uh, oh yeah, yeah, Panther Warrior lost to Gaia the Fierce Knight in the bracket, because in order to attack, there needs to be a sacrifice. Oh yeah, that's dumb. Right. And I remember very distinctly, and listeners can go back and check this, I was thinking like, in what situation would that be useful? And I thought to myself, well, there's, there's this other card, Kisatai, in the bracket, and that attaches itself to another monster. So maybe if you were, like, discarding that, then it would be useful in that way. Like, if you had some sort of negative effect on another one of your cards. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened here. Was Panther Warrior created specifically for this scene in the show? I kind of think so. Like, I feel like they had the art sitting around, and then they were like, well... We need some way to get Joey to discard Jinzo. Well, let's just write this into the rules. <laughs> and that's what happens. Yep. He uh, he discards Jinzo, uh, therefore destroying Kisatai. Uh, and Panther Warrior attacks uh, the, I guess, another face-down monster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The last face-down monster that, that we've all played. Uh, which we don't see, I, I think. Right? I don't remember. I don't think so. He just had something uh, up there. Yeah, he, he had something out. Uh, Weevil says, Up until this point, I've been going easy on you, but now you're starting to bug me. Hey. So the time has come to unleash the fury of my ultimate destroyer. And then he plays Larva Moth, which at first I thought was a joke. It was like, oh, here's the ultimate destroyer. A, a larva. <laughs> a grub. Uh, but then Joey remembers, wait a second, that's the card that he used to, uh, to, to play against Yugi, uh, and Weevil follows it up with Cocoon of Evolution, meaning that over the next five turns, the Larva Moth will pupate, uh, and, and form a Chrysalis and come out the other side as, uh, Ultimate Great Moth. Yep, he is summoning Mothra. (laughs) Joey has a very good line here. It's so good. (laughs) I need you to read this. I gotta pop that pupa. <laughs> uh, Weevil tells Joey that there is... I forget exactly how he plays it. He, he's like, uh, Kisatai is not the only parasite in my deck. And he says, in fact, there is a parasite in your deck, Joey. Uh, and he plays a card called Reckless Parasite, which he says will bring that parasite to life. Joey's like, the fuck are you talking about? I don't have any parasites on my deck. Uh, at which point his deck glows and it pops a card out of the deck uh, that just like appears in space. Uh, and Joey is forced to play a card called Parasite Parasite. Why is it called Parasite? I don't know. I'm not sure. I really don't know. Uh, but what it means is that every monster on the field, uh, on Joey's side of the field, and every monster he plays moving forward will be infected by this parasite. Uh, and it's revealed at this point that Weevil had the kid from earlier slip this card into Joey's deck as he was running away with the dual disc. Mm-hmm. So, everyone calls him a cheater. Uh, he's like, well, it's not my fault. Joey didn't check his deck before dueling, so... Yeah, how dare you call me a cheater when you didn't even check your deck to see if I cheated? Right. Really? This is on you. Uh, And then it gets even grosser, because Parasite... 
oh, um, yeah. has all these like tentacles that come out and they pierce Panther Warrior. And then one of the like nasty worm tentacles just kind of erupts out of its mouth. Oh, yeah. It is like a weird. It's like a nasty cordyceps or something. Uh, yeah. I don't like. I don't like any part of this, Jimmy. <laughs> it's a gross deck with a real, just a gross aesthetic. It's bugs. Insect decks are really cool. I got. I. I did very well playing a Weevil Underwood deck in in Duel Links. But this part really sucks. Really don't like it. Uh, Joey goes to summon a monster so that he can sacrifice it and let Panther Warrior attack again, but. Weevil reminds him that infected monsters, which is any monster that he plays, can't be sacrificed. That's part of the infection. Okay. Weird. Sure, okay. that makes some kind of sense. Uh, so he plays Tiny Guardian instead, and that gets infected. Uh, Joey, at this point, reminds Weevil that the cocoon has zero attack points. Weevil says, attack points mean nothing, you fool. It's defending me. Joey says, take a closer look, flea brain. Uh, because Weevil apparently, supposedly, forgot to switch the cocoon into defense mode. Wah, it's a wah. zero attack, 2,000 monster, 2,000 defense monster that is in attack mode. So it's defense it's, points mean. It's doing nothing. Shit. Uh, Tiny Guardian goes to attack, but Weevil plays the card called Insect Barrier. Yeah, Tiny Guardian comes out. It's also been infected. Um, mm -hmm. but this, this one has like an entire, like bug, like erupting from its shoulder, like a parasite. Have you played Resident Evil four? No, you haven't. That's a silly question. No, I've watched, I've watched you play it a little bit though. Yeah. You know how all the, the baddies in Resident Evil four aren't zombies. They're just being basically possessed by the Las Plagas, the parasite, and then, like, right, right, right. the big nasty ones, you shoot their head off, and then their just head explodes in a shower of gore, and an enormous, like, person-sized parasite crawls out of their neck. Oh, That's yeah. That's what's happening here with poor um, Tiny Guardian. It's Resident Weevil. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> You've been waiting this whole episode to say that, haven't you? Yes, yes, I have. Uh, yeah, it, you know, and it's, like, Tiny Guardian is basically just Meta Knight. Yeah. And I, y you feel for him, right? Because, yes, he has a, a dark, hollow interior, but you don't want that filled up with bugs. No, you don't want a gross, slimy parasite in there. Yet here so we he are. Goes to, he goes to attack, and Weevil plays Insect Barrier, uh, which repels all attacks from insect-type monsters. And Joey's like, well, wait a second. I don't have any insect-type monsters, but the parasite, the infection makes every infected monster insect type. Meaning that it, so long as the card stays active, which is apparently forever, uh, it is going to repel all of Joey's attacks from any of his monsters. That's a pretty good combo, I have to That's say. That's a pretty good combo. Game game set match for uh, for Weevil there. Not yet, of course. Like He hasn't won yet, but it's not looking great. Uh, Grandpa dispenses more wisdom. He says, Joey... You've got to stay calm and believe in your deck. Thanks, Grandpa. Weevil tells us that there are four turns left. Uh, and Jimmy, I'm going to have you describe this last turn for me. We'll step below my nose once more. Sure. Uh, I like that your uh, your notes here say, back at the bug corral. Um, 
Weevil summons a thing called Leg Hole. Uh, foghorn Leg Hole. I say, I say I'm a nasty bug. Uh, it's a big, weird, like, centipede thing. Uh, it basically just attacks Lowy's, Joey's life points directly, and it does that literally by biting Joey on the leg, and his life points go down. And so Joey switches both his monsters into defense mode. Um, legal attacks again. Joey passes his turn because he can't really do anything. And Weevil's getting super excited now. Like, literally, he is just, like, cackling with glee because there's just one turn left until Ultimate Great Moth appears and hatches from the cocoon, which I do want to mention is kind of gross. I don't know why the cocoon also had to be skin-colored and covered with, like, veins and stuff, but it is. Yeah, that part didn't make sense to me either. It It's, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> and then Tristan's like, enough with the moth, Underwood. We get it. And Joey, like, puts up a hand Great behind line. him. And he's like, stay cool, Tristan. Wonderful, wonderful line. And Joey remembers uh, Yugi. Last time he went up against Weevil, he was also... that um, Joey was freaking out, but Yugi stayed cool and won. And so Joey's going to not panic and see what he can do. Uh, Joey draws a card. He plays Alligator Sword in defense mode. It gets uh, also parasitized. Uh, he plays another card face down and then it passes to weevil and weevil kind of like becomes a cultist of the great moth Mm -hmm. he -hmm. just starts like chanting and screaming about how great that the ultimate great moth appears he is he is literally he's ready to sacrifice himself to the great old one that is this moth. Yeah. It's... Uh and he says he says, Erupt from your cocoon and reveal your supreme power Literally things you would say in a cult. Calm down there, Weevil. It is a card that you own. Um uh, So Ultimate Great Moth hatches. Uh Mothra comes out. Uh it's big, it's scary, we've seen it before. Ooh ah. Ah, it's Ultimate Great Moth. And then I think this is supposed to be like the moth dust from its wings because everything kind of sparks starts to sparkle. There's all these like sparklies yeah. raining down around everyone. It becomes like a really weird sort of psychedelic scene. Yeah. There's just like everything glitter everywhere. Swirling. It's like a Kesha song. There's yeah. just the two of them <laughs> out on the dance floor. In all these sparklies that are falling around them. And then it's to be continued because it's a two-parter. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Jimmy, what was your favorite part of this episode? My favorite part was the combo that Weevil pulls off at the end there where he infects all of Joey's cards. Number one, also very good. Uh, Number two, but then he gets to like, he has a card in his deck that defends against all other bug attacks. And that would be completely useless in any other context except for this combo that he's prepared for. I thought that was right. pretty good. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's what we were talking about last episode, right? Like, people really need to start building their decks specifically to beat other decks. Yeah. And here we see and, some of that come into play. Right. And and I think in this case, too, it's it's especially genius that he is purposefully sabotaging another deck. Like... If, if the mountain won't come to Muhammad, you know, that's sabotage. Yeah. I like it. What I'm wondering is why would that parasite card even exist? So the like way in your that deck. I the way that I've played it, 
is, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly how it works now, but it's when you play the card, I, I believe, and it's been a little bit, I believe it's when you play the card from your deck, it gets shuffled into your opponent's deck. And then when they play it, this infection thing happens. Okay, that makes a lot or more when they, sense. Pardon like, me, when they, when they draw it, rather. When they draw it from their deck, it happens. That makes a lot uh, more mechanical in-game sense than just like having just yeah. sleight of hand it into your opponent's deck. Right, right. And I, I, I'm pretty sure in Duel Links 2, Weevil gets a power where you can just like trigger a thing and two of those cards get shuffled in. That's pretty cool. Uh, actually, if I remember correctly, that happens right at the start of the duel. So you can really just like from the beginning mm-hmm. get ready for that. Uh, what was your favorite? My favorite was the the drawing people <laughs> in their imagination. That's right. You mentioned that. So good. Just such a like this show when it wants to do comedy correctly, it can do comedy correctly. It, the rest of the time it's just like, eh, whatever. Yeah. That was a genuinely like funny, good, well done bit. And I love the drawing of, of Weevil. Like that's a good cartoon Weevil. Yeah, everyone's just like he looked like a weird bug faced little shit, and there was everyone is just like, hmm. We know exactly who looks like a bug faced little shit. There's only one person. It has to be Weevil. And then he it has to be. Has to be. How about your least favorite part? My least favorite part of this episode was all the stuff with Serenity, which is just, like I said before, the reheated leftovers of previous Serenity side plots. There's no reason we should keep cutting back to Serenity just watching things on TV or on a website. No, and I I agree with you. This is actually my least favorite, too. Uh, the, The worst part of this episode is... Like, okay, yeah, Serenity's proud of her brother. Fine, whatever. But this this kid who's there with her, right, Kenpo or whatever, keeps going like, well, this is not looking good. Um, yeah, he's not doing too great in this duel against Weevil. You know, the regionally ranked duelist, like the consistently championship quality duelist. Uh, it's looking, actually, In fa- if, if I had to make a judgment, it's looking pretty bad for Joey. And Serenity keeps being like... There's one thing Joey's got to do. It's keep calm and believe in himself. Which doesn't buy you a better card, Serenity. Like, belief doesn't uh, doesn't pay the bills. Imagine if people were like that with sports. I know the Seahawks are down by 50, but I just believe in them. I know they're going to get better. Turn this game around. Is that not how people are with sports? I mean, that's totally how Seahawks fans are. Yeah, I was gonna say people have been Seahawks fans for years now, Jimmy. I think I think they're putting a lot of stock in in, in how good belief. the Seahawks are. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was my my worst favorite. My worst favorite. My least favorite as well. My worst favorite. Uh, my worst favorite today. Uh, so at this point, I wanted to start doing our new segment. If that's yeah. all right with you. So we have a new segment that we're that we're bringing in called Yu-Gi-Oh or not. That's so contrived, and I love it. Thank you. Uh, I have I have uh, my partner Lauren here. Hi Lauren. Uh, hi Lauren. Hi. Uh, and w- throughout the course of making this show, we have subjected Lauren to a lot of uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, which she 
probably wouldn't be exposed to otherwise. No. No. Uh, Lauren, I'm sorry. It's Tyler's of... fault. You can't hear Jimmy, but he's apologizing. Um, it, it's all my fault. Uh, we've also exposed Lauren to a lot of like card names, right? Like f- stupid names from the from the show or just from the game or whatever. And so the challenge of this segment is we are going to give Lauren five card names, and I have them actually written out here. You can read all of them. I don't. I I, I don't show here. I know which ones are fake, but I don't show here. Um, I have five card names here, two of which are fake. They were brought to us by listener James O. Uh, who actually gave me some more names that I'm going to save for later. Uh, I'm going to read all five names to you, and it is up to you to determine which ones are real and which ones are fake. So there's five and two are fake. Are you ready? Yes. You're going to regret that. But, uh, okay, here we go. So here are the five cards. All of these names are so ridiculous. Card number one. Aeromage Kananga. Card number two, Bazoo the Soul Eater. Card number three, Infinity Dragon. Card number four, Psychic Soul. Card number five, the fifth and final card, Gaping Ghoul. Lauren, you can you can analyze these names. Well, I think, honestly, they could all be real, with what I know. That's what I'm thinking, too. Um, Three of these are, is the thing. And I'm far away from the uh line, I apologize. But three of these are real cards. Right. Two of them are fake. Yes. Um, Well, I think Infinity Dragon's real. I think I've heard that one. Okay. And also... Um, there are other such ridiculous things as the blue eyes white dragon. I know that one. There are lots of dragon and that's names. That's ridiculous. Yes. So I, I think I think Infinity Dragon is a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Okay. See, I'm on the other camp. I think Infinity Dragon is fake. Oh yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hand I'm gonna I'm gonna hand the headphones to Lauren somehow so she can hear you, Jimmy. We, you high production value. Hi, Lauren. Hi. I was just thinking that now I can't hear Jimmy. This is a problem. That's actually good. <laughs> He said that's good. Headphone splitters. That's what I need. That's what you do need. Um, I was just thinking Infinity Dragon sounds too cool to be an actual Yu-Gi-Oh card. Because Yu-Gi-Oh cards like try to sound cool, but then they just, at the very last second, just miss the mark. (laughs) They just can't. They can't quite get there. Yeah, that's true. I think... hmm. Do you know which ones are fake? I don't. Oh, okay. Um... I think you're more likely to have, like, an idea about what sounds like a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Because I think I've seen a total of maybe three episodes of Yu-Gi-Oh. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I think if you were to to sort of cut and splice the bits and pieces that you've seen, it might make three total episodes. (laughs) That's three too many. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um... I really don't want gaping ghoul to be real. (laughs) You're fucking gaping ghoul. God, I hope it's fake. That sounds terrible. Yeah, it just, it's terrible. It's gaping. Unfortunately. But by saying that, I think maybe it would be. I think maybe it would have to be real. 
Bezu the Soul Eater sounds like a really bad knockoff something from the Jungle Book. <laughs> the, the gritty <laughs> reboot of the Jungle Book. Right. <laughs> like Blue. But the one above that, Arrow Mage Kananga? Arrow Mage Kananga. Neither of those are words. So. I feel like that one is also real. <laughs> uh, but now I've said four of them are real. Um, <clears throat> yeah, two of these are fake. Right. I'm going to go with Bazoo the Soul Eater is fake, actually. And also Psychic Soul, because both of those are words. So I'm going to say that Yu-Gi-Oh! is mo more likely to make a card that the whole title of the card are not, none of them are words versus the two words that are the title are real words. So that, that's my final answer is the fake ones are Bazoo the Soul Eater and Psychic Soul. Can I have the, can I have the headphones back? All right. All What's right. the score, Tyler? The score out of a possible two points. Lauren? No, shouldn't I get five points? Uh, oh, okay. We'll say, we'll say five points for each one you got correct. So uh, uh, one, one point for each one you got correct. Okay. So uh, Aramage Kananga, real card. <laughs> Bazoo the Soul Eater, real card. Aww. Infinity Dragon, a fake card. Oh, I knew it. Right. I knew it sounded too good to actually Infinity be a card. Infinity Dragon sounds very much like a Yu-Gi-Oh card, but it is one not. Point and Jimmy has one point. <laughs> Infinity Dragon. Psychic I'm just picturing soul. like Millennium Dragon because that's not how you right. fucking measure time. There's one that's like Cyber Dragon Infinity or something that's like kind of close, but it's not. It's not Infinity Dragon. I was too quick on my assumption. You know, and it, it, it it's okay. It's all right. All right. So it's the first go. It it's the first go. Okay. There will be more. Uh -huh. um, sure. Psychic Soul. Real card. Aww. Uh, so you're you're 0 for 2 on the on the fake cards, I'm afraid. Mm. Uh, uh, but I think I, I think I should get points for things that I said were correct. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you still got the one. Because otherwise I would have no points. No, no, no. You've got the one point still. Yeah. Gaping Ghoul. Fake card. Uh, Good. That's another one from James. Well done, James O, though, because that, that one got me. Seems like it would be real because of how terrible it is. <laughs> Take that as a compliment. <laughs> it is it is incredibly difficult to find things that sound like Yu-Gi-Oh cards and are not already Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Yeah. Uh, Apparently not because I did not do well <laughs> this game. All right. Well, thank you. thank you for playing Yu-Gi-Oh or not. Uh, out of a, out of five points today, you scored one point, which oh. is still respectable. You got one card correct. Is it? I feel like um, my goal for this game should be to score zero going forward <laughs> because You're that so... means I maintain the least amount of Yu-Gi-Oh knowledge possible. You're so far removed from this dumb bullshit that it doesn't affect you. Right. I think at this point, you're more likely to just get them correct randomly. Yeah, that's certainly true. <laughs> For now, at least. 
Well, next episode, we will come back with five more card names for you to guess. But thank you so much for being on the podcast. Great. Thank you for having me. And now we move. Bye. As she recedes off into the mist. Bye, Lauren. Jimmy says bye. Bye. Lauren said bye. Uh, The monster bracket. Are you ready to pit two monsters from season two against each other? I'm very ready. In bloody combat to the end. Unfortunately, we didn't have time to make cool card intros for these. I'm actually fine with that. Here's the thing. These cards have a cool enough look that I think they're going to stand up on their own because this week we have battling in the monster bracket. We have Gear Golem, the Moving Fortress, versus DD Warrior, which is not, uh, as I had come to found out, find out later, uh, the character from Dexter's Lab. <laughs> DD. DD. King uh, Gear Golem. Gear Golem. Yep. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Can King DDD just be the winner of the monster bracket? Can we just skip to the end? He's just in there. He didn't know how he got into there, but by God, he's going to win. If the ship from Galaga can be a card, King DDD can be a card. Exactly. Uh, Gear Golem the Moving Fortress is an Earth-type monster. It's a level 4 machine monster. Uh, effect monster, pardon me, with 800 attack and 2200 defense. DD Warrior is also an Earth attribute monster. It's a level 4 warrior effect monster with 1200 attack and 1000 defense. Let's start with Gear Golem the Moving Fortress, uh, which is basically if you took the sky level from Mega Man and sort of put it into one thing i was going to say it looks almost exactly like uh the golden army from hellboy 2 Ooh, oh it does actually it looks like that just with a few more spikes. yeah with more spikes it is well it looks like he is doing a cute little hop but it's like a big robot made entirely out of gears and like parts of gears and spikes yeah i would argue that it, it's just because of how hefty it is, it's probably a, a good solid yup. Yeah. <laughs> the pose it's in is just kind of a boing. Like he's jumping forward. Uh, I also just noticed that it looks like the main part of the body is sort of a golden gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but As it has a, would a be old... appropriate for a card called Gear Golem. Yeah. Uh, but it also has like a tail coming up for no real reason. Yeah, it looks like the tail and the head are both kind of the same shape, which is like a knob that you would have on like an oven. Yeah, that's exactly what this is. I was trying to figure out like it almost looks like a like clockwork mechanisms, like you know that little the little uh arm that goes back and forth catching the gears the clock mm-hmm. turns. It almost looks like that, but I think Probably. you're spot on with oven dials. Either way, really. Uh, and then it has uh, two big silver arms with spikes on them. Yeah, its arms are I'm trying to arms. Arms is generous. It has paddles. Yeah, they're like imagine like you chopped a hexagon in half, and or yeah, I guess it would be a hexagon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. And then just take the top and bottom off a hexagon. Yeah, they're like shields with spikes coming out. Not yeah. sure how it attacks with these things. Maybe it like sticks its arms out and spins around. I don't know. It looks pretty cool, though. 
Yeah, it looks it looks all right. Uh, I'm not seeing any alternate art or anything no. for it, but you know what? That's okay. It looks all right. Uh, DD Warrior. I do want to point out it's not DD like the name. It's D period uh-huh. D period. I don't know what DD stands for, and the the card's I, certainly not going to tell you. I used to know this. There is a canon answer for this. Go ahead and describe DD Warrior while I look that up. DD Warrior is. She looks kind of like, you know how in Star Wars the like bounty hunters all come from different uh, backgrounds and their costumes are wildly different? She kind of has mm-hmm. like part Boba Fett, part Harlequin, part eyeballs aesthetic going on. Yes. Uh, oh, DD stands for different dimension. Well, I can see that. She is from a different dimension. These are definitely clothes from a different dimension. Uh, This reminds me a lot of Sheik. From Zelda? In a way. Yeah, from Zelda. I think it's just like there's there's the wrapping around the torso. A lot of wrappings, and then one of the wrappings comes up, and it's like a giant scarf. Right. Uh, Which is cool. Good look. Uh, But the the eyeballs really remind me of... Did you ever play uh, Soul Calibur on, like, GameCube? A few times at a friend's house. I forget which one that was. I think it was Soul Calibur 2. Uh, do you remember, I think it was Nightmare? I think I know who you're talking about. The guy who's who's just all tendons and eyeballs. <laughs> the guy who's basically Thousand Eyes Restrict as a fighter. Oh, yeah, this guy. Is it Nightmare? Did I get it right? I think so. But the sword, Soul Calibur itself, uh, also has, it's a sword with a giant eyeball. Right, right, exactly. So it's it's very much that aesthetic where, like, the the shoulders and the knees have eyes on them that appear to be animate. Like, they're not fake eyes. Yeah, they look... They're looking in different directions. Yeah, they're looking at the camera that's taking the picture of the card art. So she's got eyeball pauldrons and then two eyeball kneecaps. I'm not entirely sure how right. that works internally. But then, like, her the clothes underneath that, she's got, like, harlequin tights. It's, like, green and pink stripes going up and down. Yeah. It's like a circus yeah. outfit. And then she has, um, like, a chest plate and what's the name of the shin guards? Just shin guards? Just shin guards? Yeah. That look like futuristic space armor right so she's yeah it's very uh she comes from a chaos dimension that has all kinds of stuff mushed together i guess and then she's got a sword i think it's a she it's hard to tell i think you just described all of Yu-Gi-Oh. comes from a comes from a dimension where all sorts of stuff is mushed <laughs> together and then it's got a sword that describes a lot every of Yu-Gi-Oh monster jimmy yeah uh, the card text on DD Warrior says, pardon me, Different Dimension Warrior, says after damage calculation, when this card battles a monster, banish that monster. Also banish this card. It's interesting because that these two cards are up against each other because Gear Golem has a similar effect where it does something to itself and something to another person. Yeah, the card text for Gear Golem says, once per turn during your first main phase, you can pay 800 life points and this card can attack your opponent directly. And its attack is also 800. Right. So you're dealing so, equal so amounts you... of damage to yourself and to your opponent. Yeah. 
So yeah, these these do kind of have like both sides of the field uh, uh, sort of effects, very similar to the last few episodes we watched. Yep. How are we feeling about this? I I know, I I knew right away where I was leaning, but I'm I'm really curious to hear how you feel about these. Uh, I think Gear Golem just looks cool, but I'm kind of a sucker Gear for Golem like looks chunky robots. Really cool. Yeah. Like I said, it's got like a Mega Man vibe. Yeah. Right? I like. Uh, that it's just a big chunky robot. I like the spikes. Um, its name is cool. Gear Golem the Moving Fortress. It's a good name. That'd be a good, a great subtitle for an episode of an anime, The Moving Fortress. It sounds like, like that's the the main giant monster of the week that they have to defeat. Yeah, or like a like a. A Ghibli yeah. movie, right? Where it looks like it's going to be the villain the whole time, Hell's and then in the castle. third act, it turns out it's the hero. Mm-hmm. I could totally see this guy stomping around some like picturesque countryside, but it turns out he's just looking for his lost caretaker or something. Oh, it's like um, I'm gonna forget the artist's name now. But do you remember when uh, like Tales from the Loop came out, that tabletop game, and they based it on that that Swedish artist Simon Stolenhog. Uh, paint. Has Simon that? Stolenhog. Stolen hog, thank you. Uh, all these. Hey, that's my pig. Like... <laughs> Get back here! What? It's a stolen hog. That's oh, how you pronounce God. it. I didn't know that anyway for the longest time because I don't have to encounter many like umlauts and like other verbal things in my daily life that I have to pronounce out loud. I I live a uh, I live an umlaut free life for the most part. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's all these paintings of like robots sort of out in the wilderness and like kids poking them with sticks or whatever. Very famous. You've probably seen some of his work. I have all three of his books. I have um, several paintings by him that I have. Oh, nice. Uh, I didn't realize well, that. not hanging up right now because I haven't put up the art in the new place. But um, yeah, quick plug for Simon Stolenhog. He's a very good artist. Uh, his books are cool. They just got optioned. Um, one is going to be, uh, like an Amazon series and one is going to be a movie, uh, directed by the guy who directed it and adapted by and produced by the Russo brothers of Marvel fame. That's awesome. So a lot of good stuff coming from that guy. That's great. Yeah. Go look it up. It's, it's all good stuff, but it's definitely... It's it's exactly that feeling here, right? Like it's a it's a big scary robot that's also like kind of friendly. It's kind of cute time. looking, like it has just a big beady eye that we can see. Yeah, I am gonna disagree with you though because I am leaning towards DD Warrior. You are. Pardon me. I am. Pray tell. DD Warrior A has a badass look. Yes. Like it is a it is a capital L O O K look. Uh. And the ability just, there's something about that where I'm just like, yeah, fuck yeah, all right. Because it's like, okay, you attack, and then no matter how that attack goes, that monster that attacks is just gone. It's banished. It's not even in the graveyard. It's just like out of play. And then DD Warrior also gets banished, right? Like it's, it's like that scene in Doctor Strange where he like, pushes a guy through the warp portal and then they both fall through yeah she that's why she's from a, another dimension she attacks a monster 
and then they both go to another dimension. Where do they go? Who knows? Right. Dee Dee Warrior is a planeswalker. That's the attack. She attacks something so hard that she, like, vorpal blades it, and then it goes, and it's almost like a like a suicide attack. But both of them get swept yeah. up in this vortex and go flying off uh, away from this entire universe. I mean, at this point, like, it literally, it, it basically is that, like, it, yes, you're only going to get one shot with DD Warrior, but that's going to be a really fucking cool shot. Like, DD Warrior can take down Blue Eyes White Dragon, Blue Eyes Ultimate Dragon, yeah. right? By attacking, and then it just gets banished. I hadn't thought of that before, but that is an insanely good special ability. That's rad as hell. It's super good. That is super good. And Gear Golem's special thing is also pretty cool. It's not as cool, though. No, it's fun. It's, it's good. friendly like, it's... fire. It's yeah, like firing exactly. a mortar. It's a fun mechanic. Yeah, it's fun. It's like firing a mortar at you and your opponent who are, like, standing next to each other. Whoops. Right. <laughs> It uh, it it's definitely one of those things that you could see in the TV show, like being a really fun moment where somebody goes to play Geargol in the Moving Fortress, and they're like, "And I pay eight hundred life points to attack your life points directly," and their opponent goes, "Ah, you fool! You only have eight hundred and fifty attack points. I'll defeat you in my next uh, turn." And then the main character who's playing Geargol and Moving Fortress is like, ah, but check your life points again. And their opponent has like 799 attack points or life points uh -huh. left. And so like, yes, they go down to 50, but then they win. And anyway, yeah, it's that kind of stuff. I'm right? excited to see this guy who is apparently uh, owned by someone called Lester. Yeah, what series is Lester in? Lester's in 5Ds. We're not going to see Lester for a bit. Oh. Lester is a dope ponytail, though. Lester's ponytail is very good. Then where's... I wonder when he's going to come out in uh, this season. I'm not sure. Uh, under appears in the following episode, it says browse all videos, and then it doesn't... No. It doesn't tell it me. takes you straight to the they page up for in the Zexel, list for... where there's some weird cosmic shit going on. Oh, weird cosmic shit happens in all the seasons. You forget the GX is the one where uh, Jaden's imaginary friend gets shot up into space, uh, and then the cosmic rays makes them evil until, uh, and then it starts uh, possessing all of Jaden's friends until Jaden agrees to play a, uh, a polymerization card on himself to fuse his soul with it. Yeah, the, see, <laughs> this show of Yu-Gi-Oh! is the most normal of the seasons, and it has mind control and ancient millennium puzzles. Shit gets weird, Shit yo. Shit gets weird. Uh, I will say you make a very strong argument for DD Warrior. I still just like Gear Golem, just in general, but DD Warrior is really cool. That's what I'm saying. I know. I I just think Gear Golem is rad. It's not as interesting, but I feel like it could lend itself to some really interesting gameplay. Um, true. Man. True. I'll give you that. Your argument has swayed me enough that I'm reconsidering. 
Okay. What's it going to be? What is it going to be? Man, gear, I love gear. How's it going to be? I do love gear golem. But now I'm just picturing DD warrior, like making one final attack on some like godlike monster and then just vo- vaporizing into another dimension. If that would be so cool. Now, l- okay, let me let me throw this at you. I'm looking at the bracket. Uh, when we get around to it, Beta the Magnet Warrior, the other cool-looking robot character that we have, is going to be fighting Gearfried the Iron Knight, mm-hmm. which is another cool-looking robot. You th- you're saying that we're a little then, top-heavy with cool robots. Well, so okay, our cup runs over. The other thing we have to consider here is with robots. Who, true, but also the other thing we have to consider is whoever wins this matchup is going to go up against Dark Magician. Ooh. And then whoever wins that matchup has to go up against whoever wins between Beta the Magnet Warrior and Gearfried the Iron Knight. Hmm. Something to consider there. Yeah, who would be the best matchup against? Should we? Is Should that be something we should consider, though? In this matchup between two, I don't see, two cards. I don't see why it can't be. If if we're waffling back and forth a little bit, I, I don't see why we can't bring in other factors. That's fair. Yeah, I f- feel like if there's anyone who can take on either of the next two, it has to be DD Warrior. Yeah. Clear the whole field. As much as I love Gear, Gear Golem, the moving fortress... Which sounds right. Gear Golem's and looks great. Rad as hell. God, I love Gear Golem. But if we're if we're going on looks alone, then Dark Magician would blow them out of the water because we're talking about like one of the most iconic cards in Duel Monsters. That's fair. Man does not live by looks alone. That's true. All right. Man also needs man also needs card effects. <laughs> A man needs card effects, and the best card effect here is DD Warrior. I will say. I will grant you that. Yes! Let's move forward with DD Warrior. DD Warrior. Clinches it. Yeah, you know what DD Warrior reminds me of, come to think of it? Uh, Mm. In Ant-Man and Wasp, when uh, he goes into the quantum realm, and um, what's-her-name has been in there for all this time and has, like, patched together her, like, quantum suit with, like, various, like, sub-quantum, like, creatures and, like, parts and stuff. That's what mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. looks like. Yeah, it's, it's got that vibe. Someone who has like power armor, but they also need to like supplant it with like monster eyeballs. Because that's how physics works in this crazy alternate universe. <laughs> crazy alternate universe is plural. Yeah. Different dimensions, if you will. Different dimensions. All right. Well, congratulations to DD Warrior. I always believed in you. Uh, luckily, I think that's going to be the most difficult matchup that we have for a little bit because up next is Flying Fish versus Worm Drake. And <laughs> boy, I can tell you how that one's going to go. Uh, <coughs> but we'll cover that next week. Uh, if you have questions about the show, comments about the show, want to send us names of cards that are not Yu-Gi-Oh cards but sound like they could be, you can email us, youactivatedmypodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at uh, heartofthe.cards. 
we might be putting up a downloads page soon. We'll see, <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Yampod. That's Y A M P O D. Uh, Jimmy, your other podcast is coming back eventually, I would imagine. I can stop plugging it for a while until we have actual content. Okay. If you haven't yet, go catch up on DAH Podcast on Twitter, uh, uh, Dungeons Against Humanity, or Dungeons Against, yeah, Dungeons yep. Against Humanity. I got it right. Yeah. Uh, very good uh, actual play podcast where they use Cards Against Humanity cards to come up with shit. Mm-hmm. Good shit. Uh we make this show for free, so uh, if you're the kind of person who enjoys uh, supporting podcasts that you listen to, don't support this one. Please, please, please send your money where it can be used. Places such as Trans Lifeline, uh, Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, the Yellowhammer Fund. Go donate money to places where it can be used uh, for the betterment of everybody, not just this dumb Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast. All right, that's going to do it. Until next time. I gotta pop that pupa.